I invite you to take out your Bible, turn with me uh, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1, and find Luke chapter 1 and pick up with me in verse 57. Luke chapter 1, verse 57, we're going to be picking up here this morning in our series, uh, The Story of Salvation. We have been working through the Gospel of Luke, and uh, just what a beautiful way to have this passage really lay on Advent, and as we think about the coming of Christ and uh, what that symbolizes in our lives. Luke chapter 1, we'll read it here in just a moment. Um, but yesterday was a really, really exciting day. We had a whole bunch of things happening in the life of our church. There was a ladies' event in the morning and then the afternoon. Uh, there was a group of us who went uh, over to Christmas on the farm. And, uh, and man, we set up in the rain. And uh, at first we were afraid. We were giving out free hot chocolate. And we thought, man, it's going to be a real hot day, 60-degree weather. And then all of a sudden yesterday, it just was cold and miserable and raining. Hot chocolate was a hit. And so we're giving out free hot chocolate and just sharing uh, the love of Christ with people and sharing about our church. And, uh, and then some teenagers got ready. They, they had a live nativity. And, and so for an hour, they were giving like these lantern tours and, and they were ending uh, down there at the barn and, and where the live nativity was set up. And so it was just, you know, the hustle and bustle and everybody's getting things together and we're grabbing costumes and everybody's grabbing their shepherd's gear and we're running down and we got the manger and we get all there and everybody's all set up, put together. And then it's like, wait, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And, and, and then I realized I was in charge of bringing Jesus. Um, and, and I did not have him. And so we're scrambling last minute, you know, we're stuffing claws and making, you know, and hold it really close and just, just, you know, he's there. He's there. He's inside. Yeah, there you are. But, but I thought, man, out of all the, out of everything, out of everything in the live nativity, I mean, the most important cast member, you know, is, is not there. And then I thought, and I just, you know, I kind of thought about that. And, I, and then I thought, wow, how, how is that not a picture sometimes of our lives um, in this time of the year and just the busyness of the holidays and the craziness of everything that if we're not careful that, that we'll find ourselves so busy that we forget him. And this morning, we're turning to a passage in Scripture where um, God has not forgot. God has not forgotten. Um, in fact, we come to this passage in Scripture that uh, is really the, the a couple passages prior to the, the birth narrative of Christ coming. And we find here this morning the birth of a baby, but it's not the Messiah. It's the forerunner of the Messiah. And as we, as we come to this passage, we're, we're going to find two things about God. We're going we're to remember that God is faithful. And secondly, we're going to remember that God is gracious. And as we think about God being faithful, we, we remember that God does not forget. Uh, God, God never uh, has a moment where he fails to remember. Although you and I will go through moments in life where we'll forget things and we'll fail to remember things, God is faithful. He, he is faithful to complete his promise. And here he, he does just that in sending 
the forerunner of the Messiah. And so you remember that as you've been with us in this series, we've been uh, seeing how a number of weeks ago that uh, the angel Gabriel came to, to two individuals and he comes to Zachariah and he comes to Mary and, and both of those things, he predicts a, a coming of a, of, of a Messiah, uh, of, of, of a savior of the world and that John uh, the Baptist would be really the forerunner of Christ and that as the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and tells Mary that she'll have a son and that she's to call his name Jesus, that, that he will save his people from their sins as, as we think about these two births of, of, of really that just start the gospel in Luke, uh, of Luke and from there uh, all the events of the life of Christ and what Jesus uh, has come to accomplish. But here this morning we, we come to a passage in scripture where, where we find that, that now John the Baptist arrives on the scene here in, in John uh, Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 57. Would you stand with me? We'll read beginning in verse 57 and read down through verse 66 together. The Bible describes it this way. Luke, remember, Luke here is writing to the most excellent Theophilus. He's writing to this high-ranking Roman official who is intrigued with Christianity, and Luke is laying out for him an orderly account of all the gospel. And so he's, 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 he's going to eyewitnesses, he's going to a firsthand testimony, and he is using all of these sources as he compiles his gospel and as he gives it uh, to someone so that they might come to know the truth about Christ. Notice what he says, beginning in verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. And she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. And they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And, and he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all the neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judah and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Father, we ask this morning that your spirit would help in this time, that you would speak to our hearts through your word. Father, that we would come to see your faithfulness and your grace in our life like maybe never before. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to discover just two simple things in this passage this morning. One, that God is faithful, and that secondly, that God is gracious. And I want you to begin with me noticing how God is faithful. God's faithful in a number of ways in each of our lives. And as we think about how God keeps his promises, we, we discover that God is a faithful God. He is a reliable God. He is consistent. He is true. I, I know whenever I talk about the faithfulness of God, I, I love to... Can I borrow this real quick this morning? Thank you. All right. You made it into the sermon. All right. And uh, so whenever I talk about the faithfulness of God, I always love uh, giving this illustration. You think about um, throwing something up in the air and there it goes, comes back down. All right. Now, if I threw this up in the air, is there any chance it'd stick to the ceiling? No. Why not? Why when we throw things up, do they always come down? Because gravity, right? Gravity is this Really, it's, it's, it's this theory that got elevated to this scientific law, and there's a whole bunch of scientific reasons for why gravity is gravity. 
But, 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 but the common way we all understand it is that gravity just pulls things down, right? Like you jump up, you come down. Uh, you throw something up, it comes down. And so w- another way we could say it is that gravity is always faithful. It always pulls things down. And as we think about the faithfulness of God, God is faithful to do what he says he would do. As God says something, he is faithful to do it. And he is, he is consistent in keeping his promises. God, God will always be faithful. It's who he is in his nature. And so what do we discover as we come to this passage? We, we discover that God is here showing how reliable and dependent and trustworthy he is because in verse 57 the bible says now there came now the time came so so here's the appointed time elizabeth is to give birth and notice at the end of verse 57 and she bore a son god is faithful to keep his word god had told elizabeth this lady who was well advanced in her years who was barren with for not having children and and god comes to her and 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 the angel through the angel that she would bear a son And here in the course of events and God's timing and in God's faithfulness, notice she bears a son. God is faithful to keep his word. And can I, can I just encourage you this morning that, that in your life, I, I sure don't know what this week has been like. I, I sure talked to a lot of people this morning. It sounded like everybody had a rough week. So I don't know if your reef was, was as rough as some others, but can I just remind you this morning that in every season of our life, in every moment of our life, God is faithful. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he is faithful. He is faithful. And you and I, how many of you have a Bible this morning? Would you hold it up? Hold it way up. You have have an entire book that is filled with the promises of God. And as you you read a promise of Scripture, you need to discover who was that written to, right? Because some of those promises were written to specific people, but many of those promises in Scripture were, were in, by nature, promises for you and I. And the promises of God are always true. They're always faithful. Some of us, we, we, we struggle to understand the timing of God and the way that he works in our life. But God is always faithful. And here, this couple, Zachariah and Elizabeth, came to understand that God is faithful in keeping his word. And that secondly, God is faithful in displaying his mercy. Notice verse 58. And all her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. Here, Elizabeth, in in bearing a son, uh, they're all rejoicing with her. Here is a lady who had not been able to bear children. And as you could just imagine, living in a culture in that day where that was the social norm, it was this expectation uh, that, that a woman would bear children. And here, Elizabeth is barren. She has no children. Can you imagine how many enduring looks and snares she must have received from other people as they just might have questioned that somehow she's under the judgment of God, that somehow uh, she's not receiving the favor and blessing of God. She's unable to bear children, and yet here God comes to this woman who was really a godly woman. We, we reread about Zachariah and Elizabeth. They were faithful to the Lord. There, there wasn't a sin issue in their life as to why they're not bearing children, but God had a purpose in that. God was faithful. He wanted to display his glory, his might in this way way in their life so that she would bear a son and at the bearing of the son the bible says in the mercy that god shows to them that all of her neighborhoods her relatives and neighbors rejoiced with her i mean it's the talk of the town isn't that the way it is whenever a a baby is born or or an, an announcement of a pregnancy it's just like it doesn't it just spread like wildfire 
And so here at the birth of, of John the Baptist is just this news that just envelops the, the small town. And everybody's talking about it. Everybody's rejoicing with Elizabeth. Now this one who was called barren is now a mother to a son. And notice the Bible says in verse 59, and on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And so this was part of the Jewish custom that the husband and wife would go on the eighth day there and to the boy to present the boy and that he would be circumcised. And this was all a picture tying back to the promises of God in the Old Testament, tying back to the covenant of God. And notice what happens in verse 59. And then they would have called him Zechariah after his father. And so they're all showing up. Everybody's excited. We're going to name the baby. You know, it's kind of like, you're one, like, he didn't have a name by now? Well, like, no. Like, in Jewish culture, like, the name was, like, given there on this date of circumcision. And it was, like, this ceremony and everything. And so all the family's like, what's his name going to be? What's his name going to be? You know, they're all, like, Zachariah, right? I mean, he's going to be named after his dad. Like, like certainly. And, and, so, and so they're all struck when Elizabeth says, no, <laughs> no. No, his name shall be called John. I'm sure they're all wondering here. Like, I just reading between the lines of the Bible, Elizabeth was barren for so long. Surely she has a son. Surely wouldn't you name him after the father? And then all of a sudden, no, John? They're, like, they're all like leaning in, wondering, okay, what do you know that we don't know? And notice, notice verse 60, but his mother said, no, he shall be called John. And, and notice in verse 61, and so they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. Like, why in the world would you name him John? Like, like there's, no, there's no uncles, no grandparents, no brothers, no, no one by this name. Verse 62. And so they don't really believe her. And so what do they do? They start motioning to Zechariah, who you remember at this point is both deaf and mute. The angel Gabriel had, had silenced him for his disbelief of God. He basically gave him a nine-month royal timeout. And so for nine months, Zechariah is unable to speak He's unable to hear. So, I mean, can you picture this? By this point, he's just along for the thing, but nobody's talking to Zachariah. Like, he's just the guy that's there in the room, but nobody speaks to him because they can't. And so, notice verse 62. So, they're all, like, not really believing Elizabeth here. So, they say to Zachariah, they made signs to the father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And so, notice then the next verse um, and he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote down. He could by well know what everybody was pretty much saying in the room without knowing. And he says, his name is what? Tell me. John. John. And what did they people do? Verse end of 63. They all wondered. They don't understand. Why, why in the world would you name this child John? Someone tell me. Why in the world did Zachariah and Elizabeth choose and give the name John? They didn't choose it, did they? The angel told them they would have a child and they are going to call his name John. So this isn't them like looking through all the baby names and say, ooh, we like this one. This is them simply obeying what God had said. And so in their obedience, they say his name is John. Now at this point, we got to ask ourselves the question, what is this word, what does this name mean? You know, in the Bible, names are so significant. Whenever the Bible uses a feature of a person or a physical description of a person or if a Bible tells you the name of a person, that is often so significant because names mean something, right? I mean, all of our names mean something. In fact, but many of you, your parents didn't name you for what it meant. They named you for what it sounded like. 
right? But in Bible days, you got a name for what it meant. And notice, what does the word John mean? It simply means that God is gracious. You see, the name of the baby wasn't Elizabeth's idea. This was God's idea. That, that, that they would have a son, that this forerunner to the Messiah would be named John. A picture that God is gracious. And you know what I love in this story is that at the end of the day, after the temple ceremony and John gets his name and, you know, if they would have been in our day, everybody would have huddled up for the family portrait. They would have taken a picture of Zachariah, Elizabeth, and John. And in that little portrait would have been this powerful picture of the greatness and faithfulness and goodness of God. Because every one of their names means something. Here is Zechariah, and his name is God remembers. God remembers. You see, Zechariah had prayed. He had asked God. He had believed God for a son. And God is faithful to what he told Zechariah. He said, in nine months, your wife will conceive and bear a son. You remember what he said? <laughs> no way. She's old, Right? But God says, no, what I've said will be true. What I said will come to pass. And so, so, so here's Zechariah. His name is, it literally means God remembers. God remembers. And then you see Elizabeth. What does her name mean? Well, that God is reliable. God can be counted on. He can be dependable. He is trustworthy. And what God says he will complete. And then there they are, huddled in the family portrait with John. That's this name of God is gracious. And so both in this portrait of this family that, that, that in their names and that by their lives, we have the story of a God who remembers, a God who is trustworthy, and a God who is gracious. And he's demonstrating it to this village, to all of these people, so much so, notice in the next verse, Notice, notice how, it, how it ends. And they all wondered. And so then Zechariah immediately got loosed his mouth. He opens his mouth. He speaks, blessing God. The first thing, he hasn't said anything in nine months. And the first words out of his mouth is what? Blessing, praising God. Think he had a lot to think about about God in those nine months? Do you think the first moment God gave him a chance to speak, he was going to bless his name? I mean, it was like in that royal timeout, God set, taught Zechariah something about who he was. And fear came on, here it is, verse 65, fear came on all the neighbors. At first they're rejoicing, now they're fearful. Why are they fearful? And all these things were talked about throughout all the hill country of Judea, of Judah, so that all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. You see, you see what happens in this portrait of God's family that, that symbolizes his, his graciousness and his, his, his reliability and, and, and as it remembers that God is a God who remembers, we see that in this little family that the talk of the town is just enveloped with this family. It's uh, news is just spreading. People are sitting down to their dinner tables at night and they're like, hey, did you hear about Zachariah? He could talk today. Did you hear about what they named him? I mean, did you hear what they named him? You know, and then all this news, and it just begins to so much so that the people, notice there, and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? Notice the next phrase, for the hand of the Lord was with him. I, I really wish could have had a whole sermon on that one phrase today. But here you have 
this powerful story about God's faithfulness. And as we'll read in weeks to come, you'll see as John grows and begins his public ministry and in so many ways, remember, he is the forerunner of the Messiah. He says, there's one who is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And then as he stands that day, so many years later from this moment, baptizing there in the Jordan, and as he calls out and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, God's hand was on John the Baptist. And God used this story that is a picture for us of his faithfulness, of the way that God remembers, of his reliability to see that that one day through all of these events, God's working in a way and, and all of it's pointing. It's still pointing, really, like we're in the New Testament, but we're still pointing forward to the Messiah to one who would come. And in this time of Advent here this week as we're looking forward and we look forward in anticipation and we look forward in waiting that there is one, the Lamb of God, who will come to take away the sin of the world. So I want you to think about your life this morning. You say, well, Pastor Aaron, what does all this mean for me? I mean, as I think about this story that that centuries away from where I am, it's a reminder to you and I today that in the course of our life that, that God has not yet abandoned his people that he is still faithful, God is still gracious, and his faithfulness and graciousness now to you and I has been made visible in the sending of his son. And so when we think about Christ and when we, more importantly right here this morning, when we receive Christ into our life, we are receiving the one who is grace, full of grace, full of truth, full of faithfulness. And that if he is living in your life, if he is dwelling in your life today, then it it makes us realize that there is nothing in my life today that God is somehow unaware of. There's nothing in my life today that I think is a need too great that God cannot meet. There there is nothing in my life today that, that would make me question of whether or not God sees me, whether or not he is faithful here. Like, I know those promises, Aaron, but can I believe them? And, and it's in those moments of faith you have to come to know Christ and have faith in him. I mean, if, if the Christian walk was just an easy walk and, 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 it, and it was everything of sight, it would be a far different walk. <laughs> but the Christian life, the Christian walk is a walk of faith. It's this, it, is, it is this gap in our life between sometimes what we experience from God and what we know of God, and it is in that gap of faith that we, that we just really press in and we just come to trust and and then come to see, and, and one day I pray in your life, and your story will be something like here in Zechariah and Elizabeth's. You'll see the faithfulness of God coming through. You'll see the grace of God shining through. You'll see his trustworthiness just on display. And so as she holds this baby in her arms, and as he grows up, it's just more and more of the talk of this wonder of what will this child be? <laughs> what will he be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Here's my question. Is is God with you today? Do you have Christ in you? Do you have his presence, his love in your heart? If not, my friend, today could be the day of salvation to confess your sins and by faith to receive Jesus Christ. To confess your sins and to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. Has he taken away your sin? Have you come by faith to 
to put your whole trust in this God who is faithful, trustworthy, and gracious. I pray you have. If not, today could be that day for you. Would you bow your head with me this morning? As our heads are bowed before the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what Christ has done for you. I wonder, has there been a time in your life where you have recognized just how unworthy you are? Have you recognized your sinfulness? Have you recognized the way that you have failed to keep the law of God? And you say today, as you're sitting here, you would say, Pastor Aaron, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I know I have lied. I have cheated. I have stolen things. I, I have not kept the commandments. I know that if God was to judge me today based off of who I am, I would be sentenced for all eternity to a place called hell. But today I'm hearing what you're saying and I hear about this grace. I hear about what Jesus has done and I today want to receive Christ into my life. I want to confess my sins and I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. My friend, if that's you today, right there where you're seated, you can call out to the Lord. The Bible says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And a faithful God who is faithful to his promise, he has extended that opportunity to you. He will be faithful to save you today. Would you receive Christ into your life? Maybe those of you here are here this morning and you already know Christ as your Savior. Do you believe that he's faithful? Are you living your life today by the reality that he's gracious? And if there's doubt in your heart as to the Lord and doubt as to whether or not he is true, I pray you just confess those things. I pray that God would deepen you in his word and by his spirit to, to be convinced of the reality in faith that he is who he says he is. This morning as Jessica plays, there's a number of cards up here, families and individuals who have asked for us to pray for them. Would you go ahead and stand and as you stand, just heads bowed, eyes closed this morning. I want to give you an opportunity right there in your seat to meet with God. You say, Pastor, I want someone to take a Bible and show me how it is I can come to know Christ. If, if you want to receive Christ as your Savior, I invite you right now this morning just to come. I'd be glad to take a Bible and sit down with you and share with you in another room, have someone else close out this service and share with you how you can know Christ as your Savior. If that's you this morning, I invite you to come. Would you come this morning and pray for someone in our church? There's cards down front. Just if God's leading you to come and pray, hold up someone in faith. Trust God on their behalf.
Would you take some moments there in your seat just celebrating the faithfulness of God? Think over this year. How has God been faithful to you? And in their heart, through worship, just respond to the Lord. Tell the Lord how he's been faithful to you this year. Praise him for his faithfulness. Father, we thank you this morning for your grace in our lives. For Jesus' sake, thank you for being a faithful God. Thank you that your grace is new. Your mercies are new every morning. Your grace is available to every person here today. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Everyone said?